Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf memhem. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Ike Shchevar in honor of the rabbi. Today's daf is being studied by Elun Ishmat Baruch Rafael Ben Miriam and Abraham Ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tenichem Began Eden Amen Just in order to review where we're holding we are going to begin on Mem Dalid Amud Sheni and we are going to start on the second wide line Bemai Kamipalge but just to review a little, to get back into the sugya, we had a Mishnah. The Mishnah was talking about somebody that left the tomb of Shabbat, Birshut. He had permission. What type of Rishut? Rishut of a mitzvah. For example, he either went to testify as an aid for the moon, or let's say he had a pikuach nefesh situation, and then in the, um, in the middle of the uh, road, uh, they told him that he's not needed. Right, so he went beyond his home. He didn't get to where he needed to go. They told me the witnesses came already, or the pikuach nefesh case is uh, not applicable anymore. So the Mishnah said he has from the place where they tell him two thousand amot to all sides. Achami made a uh, a leniency instead of limiting him to the four amot, which would normally be when you leave your home. They gave him 2,000 amot as if to say that was his shivita from before Shabbat. Since he went out, Bereshut. Uh, so comes the uh, Mishnah and continues. And the, the Mishnah said, If, let's say, he was uh, within the Tchum, It's as if he never left. So the Gemara wants to explain that Lashon. If he's still in the tomb, it's as if he never left. Right. What does that mean if he's still in the tomb? Is that obvious? If he's still, if he didn't leave, that means he's still in the tomb. What does the Mishnah mean when it says that if he's still betoch at home, ki'inu lo yatsa? So here we had two opinions. We had Rava and Nafshimi Barhiya, the way they explained it. Rava explained that the Hiddush is he left his house with intention to leave the uh, tomb to go on one of these uh, missions and by before he left actually the uh, tomb they told him it's not necessary anymore so you might have thought that since he intended to leave so it's considered as if that he loses his original tomb that began from his house now he begins a new tomb where they catch him at that point in the city so therefore it's 2000 amma from that spot as opposed to the house, Kamash no, since he didn't leave his home, so his home is the original one, so he can go back to his house, and he still has 2,000 amot on all sides. So according to Rava, it's talking about where he did not actually leave the uh, home. He intended to leave, and the Hidush is that the intention to leave does not create for him a new tomb. So that's what he says, even though he began to leave, meaning it's like he never left, and therefore his tomb goes back to his house where it started uh, when Shabbat came. Rav Shimi said, no, even if he left his tomb, which means 
he went beyond where he was allowed to go. However, the um, he's still within 2,000 amot of his original tomb. Which means, if he, let's say, walked out of his tomb, I'll take an example, his tomb was uh, uh, outside, he went 2,500. Now he's 500 amah uh, extra, he went out. Now they tell him, oh, we don't need you anymore. So since he's within the tomb, which means he could just walk 500 amah backwards, and he'll be back at his original tomb, so that, that's the deen of what Rav Shim is going to call mubla, that his area where he is now overlaps into the uh, tomb that he originally had, and therefore he's able to walk back, and he's considered as if he never left. Now, the Mishnah is more precise according to Rav Shimi, because according to Rav Shimi, it's talking about he actually left, which means, which means he left, he was Yatsa, but it's because really he's outside of his tomb, it's just that he's still within, uh, you know, uh, the Shi'u 2000 Amah of his original, so he can walk back, and now he's considered as if he never left. So that's the Mahlogdin Rava and Nafshimi, how to learn uh, that, um, that Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to explain what the Mahlogdin is. So the Gemara says, What is the source of their Mahlogdin? Rashimi holds the concept of overlapping Tehumin. Since your new tomb overlaps your old tomb, which is the 2000 Amah, so it's considered all one tomb. Umar Savar and Nabah says, Lav Miltahi. He says, No. Overlapping Tehumin is not a concept, and therefore, once you leave, you cannot get your original tomb back, even though it's within the prescribed measure. Amale Abayel Rabbah. So Abayel now challenges Rabbah and says, Or you don't hold this concept of overlapping Tehumin, which means you don't hold this case over here, that even though he went out beyond his tomb, but since he was still within 2,000 of his original, that you can say it's uh, it's, it's considered overlapping, then we can go back? You don't hold that concept? So the Gemara says, Uma idu Shabbat b'me'ara. Let's say a case where he had his Shavita, his residency going into Shabbat in a cave. Yeah, in a cave, underground. Shabbatucha arba'at alafim. And the width of the cave is 4,000 amma. Okay, which is from, from side to side. From east to west, it's 4,000 amma. Now, the cave has... Uh, two openings, one on the eastern side and one on the western side. So you have two two openings. Now the Gemara says, if a guy made his shibita inside the cave, well, off the bat, the cave is considered like four amot. I mean, he can carry the entire. He can carry. He can walk the entire cave because his shibita is in an enclosed area. So since the shibita is in an enclosed area, so automatically he can walk from one side to the other side. Now technically, when he gets to the, let's say, one side, the eastern uh, door, he has 2,000 amah, the other way, right? And he gets to the other side, to the Ma'arav side, he has 2,000 amah, the other way, because he has 2,000 amah from all sides of the, uh, of the cave where he made his shivita. And we don't include 
the actual 4,000 Amah that's in Sarsi. He can walk all the way to the end, and then from there begins his 2,000 to each side. So the Gemara says, Uma ilu Shabbat b'mehara. Person, let's say, went ben Hashem Ashotu twice into Shabbat in a cave. Shebetucha arvaat alafim. It has 4,000 Amah inside the cave. Ve'al gaga pachot ma'arvaat alafim Amah. And Al-Gaga means outside the cave is less than 4,000 Amma. I'll explain to you how that happens. Lo nimsa ma'alechet kula ve'chutzala alpaim Amma. Which means the cave is narrow at one side. It's, I'm sorry, it's wide at one side, 4,000 Amma. But as it goes uh, across, it narrows. So therefore at one of the entrances... From door to door, it'll be less than 4,000 amma. Which means, the cave in the front by the entrance is, let's say, less than 4,000, and it goes back, it widens. So technically, at the, at the front, outside the cave, you have 4,000, less than 4,000 amma. If you look, there's a picture actually in Rashi. You can see it. You see the cave over there. That's the, uh, that's the box over there. You see in the back of it, it's wide 4,000. And it narrows... You know, towards the uh, towards the opening, you see, it says Pachot Dalar Alafim. It's less than four thousand amma. So the Gemara is telling us that it's permissible to carry the whole entire Pachot Midalar Alafim. You can walk all the way to the end, and then you get two thousand on each side. So you have two thousands on. By the by the by both entrances, two thousand going to the east, two thousand going to the west, and you have the less than four thousand also that you're allowed to carry on top when you come out. Which means you, we don't say that you can only walk in the cave, right to the to the end, and then two thousand amma, and then walk to the other side in the cave. You can actually walk outside the cave. You have that pahot from four thousand. You can walk across. Get to the end of the cave, then 2,000 from there, and then walk to the, to the tip of the other side of the opening of the cave, walk 2,000 amma from there. So technically, you have 2,000, ta'ot the 4,000, and then another two, they have 8,000, uh, uh, 8,000 mashu, that you're able to walk. Now, how does that work? That's a, that's a lot of walking for a tomb. So explanation is using the concept of mubla, using overlapping, which means the 2,000 amma, uh, overlaps into that, 4,000 minus area. And on the other side, the 2,000 amma, when you walk it, goes into that area itself. And therefore, it makes the whole entire area as one overlapping area. Just like we said, by the case of Shabbat, when you went out to do the mitzvah. So you're 500 amma, let's say, outside your tomb. But we said, since you're within within 2,000 of your original, so it's considered all... Muvla, it's all uh, overlap. So it takes you, you can walk 2,000. Once you get to that point, 2,000 on each side, for sure you can walk. But when you walk 2,000 to one side, you're back into your original. Once you're back in your original, you can go back to your house, and yeah, you have 2,000 amma from every side from the city. So therefore, the same thing over here. When the person uh, walks 2,000 from, uh, from one uh, side, right? He walks 2,000 back towards the cave. He's within now the... Uh, that pachot that from 4,000 area at the entrance of the cave and the other side as well, the 2,000 brings it back into that spot as well so therefore all that area is considered an extension or overlapping to his ayrut, so the Gemara is trying to say to Rabbah everybody agrees in this case that you're going to use the concept of 
mublaim of overlapping. So how could you tell me that in the case of the Mishnah you don't hold of it? So the Gemara says, Amar. That's two lines at the bottom. Amar le. So he tells him, Velo shani lach ben hechad de Shabbat ba'avir mechitzot be'ojom. Lechad velo Shabbat ba'avir mechitzot be'ojom. So there's a big difference. It makes a difference if where you were before Shabbat, which means here in this case in the cave, you were in the cave at Ben Hashem when Shabbat went in. So therefore you were Konesh Shivita in the cave. Once you Konesh Shivita in the cave, and now automatically your 2,000 Amah Bosas overlaps to the middle area, that will say the Deen of Mubla'in. But in this case over here, before Shabbat and Al-Mishtah, you were in the city. On Shabbat you left. So now on Shabbat, you want to create a new Te'umim by using Havla'ah? That's different. Which means only we'll say Havla'ah. We will say Havla'ah. We will say this kind of Havla'ah when? When it was all set up going into Shabbat. However, on Shabbat itself, where you established a new Eruv, because you went outside the city, albeit you went out the Heter, but now you want to go now, use Mubla'ah to get you back to the spot, and go all the way back to the original house, that already we're not going to say. So he makes a difference between... Those two, those two concepts. Just to say one more clarity, which is, if let's say in the opening of the cave, outside the cave, I'm talking, is four thousand ama, four thousand or more. So then already you don't have the concept of havla'ah because your two thousand ama on both sides that the cave gives you does not overlap into that middle section over there. So then, how would you have to walk? You'd only be allowed to go in the cave. Because in the cave you can walk as far as you want to either side, get to the end, and then from there walk beyond to that. But in the opening of the cave in front, you would not be allowed to, because that area is, right, just 2,000. That area is not considered muvla. But now that we made the case less than 4,000, so when you walk outside, so both your tehumin on both sides actually overlap into that area itself, and therefore you have the area in front of the cave and on the sides. The point is you are saying or overlapping. Rabbi says, I agree, but the difference is that happened on Shabbat itself. Here we're talking about, uh, sorry, uh, here happened before Shabbat and in the Mishnah we're talking about on Shabbat. I want to point out as she makes a, a very important uh, point that if you remember we learned, we learned earlier uh, in the Masechet, I'm thinking of Mem Gimal, that if a person, let's say, found himself outside the uh, the tomb and he has to go to the bathroom, so the Gemara said, no, he can go even more than four amot away from the area because normally once you go outside the tomb, you're limited to four amot. So we said kavod abediot, and if we said he can walk more than four amot, they said if he's a smart guy, let him walk back to the the city. Once he gets to the city, now he has the whole city. Now obviously that's a concept of. Havla'a. So that she points out, Rava mustn't hold of that case. Rava's arguing on that surah. She speaks that out in the because she's telling you that since you're within two thousand amah, you can get into that city over there. So once you get to that city, so you consider it part of the city. And it's a heter for kavod of course. But Rava does not hold of that. In this case, over even they went for a mitzvah. Still, we're telling him what you only have where you are. 2,000 amma. Now, even though that can get you back into the city, you don't get your original Eruv of the city to take you back where you are before Shabbat. So comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, Ve'echa de lo Shabbat. Lo. Are you telling me, Rava, that where you did not make Shabbat before Shabbat, you don't say the concept of Havla'ah? 
Because that's Rabbah's Chiluk now. If you made a Shavita before Shabbat, you will say Havla. If you didn't make a Shavita, then you won't. So the Gemara is challenging that. Gemara says, Vehatenan, we learned in the Mishnah, actually it's the it's Mishnah coming up, two Mishnayot from now. Vehatenan, we're going to learn in the Mishnah, Arbili Ezer Omer, Shtayim Yikanes. Shlosha, Lo Yikanes. What's the case? We learned that when a person goes out of his tomb on Shabbat, he has four amot. So the Bili Aizid explains what does the four amot mean? It means he has two amot on each side. Which means he has two amot uh, behind him and two amot in front of him. Meaning it's not four amot to one side straight. It's two amot on one side and two amot on the other side. So the Bili Aizid says, if he left, let's say, his tomb, and he's within two amot of his original tomb, Yikanis, he can go back. However, if it's three, he cannot, because then already he's beyond. Okay, that's the way he learns. So the Gemara says, My love must be Rabbi the Ezer Lita'ameh. Rabbi the Ezer is following his reasoning. The Amar, the Hu Sa'an, which means we consider as if he's in the middle of the four Amut. Which is when he goes out of his tomb, he considers the four Amut on both sides of him. Two in front of him, and two in the back of him. And the four Amut that the rabbis give him, is considered as if it overlaps into his original tomb. Which means, from the fact that we're telling him, he's two Amut out, but still what does the Bili Aizir say? He can go back in. So therefore we see what? That he holds is still considered overlapping. Which even though he's outside his tomb, but since it's within the Tuamot uh, legal uh, area, so it's considered that that area overlaps. We don't consider it's a new tomb. It overlaps into the original one. And what do we say? And he said what? Let him enter. Oh, Alma, what do you see? Hablaat Tehomim Miltahi. So you see the concept of overlapping Tehomim is a concept, which means his original uh, tomb is still valid. Which we don't, we don't consider once he went out, it's considered a new tomb. We still say he's within his original. So that's already a concept of Hablaat. So the Gibraltar is asking according to Rabbah. Rabbah, the guy wasn't there before Shabbat. Right? The guy was in his tomb before Shabbat. On Shabbat he went out. And still we're telling him what? Are you within two? It's considered part of the original. And therefore you can go back. So therefore that goes against your concept. So the Gemara says, Amar le Abaye. So the Gemara says, Tabaye. Were you asking a question on Rabbah from Rabbili Aizid? Who says the Halakazak Rabbili Aizid? On the contrary, from the fact that it's only to be the Aizid, it must be the Hakamim on you. So they would, don't bring me a question from a Da'at Yahid, from, a, from a, a singular opinion. So the Gemara says, Amar in. He says, yes, I'm bringing you a question from the Aizid. Why? He goes, I heard an explanation from Rabbi himself. The whole ma'alok between the Bidi Aiz and the Banan, do you get this to Amma to go back in? That was the only argument was the Varashut for voluntary things. Where you went out for a non mitzvah. 
Rabbi Eliezer is lenient. He says, even if you went out for a non-mitzvah item and you found yourself outside your tomb, mm. you still get the two amot to let you go back in and then you're back to your original. <coughs> but that, that was the machlokin. If it's dvar reshut, aval, ledvar mitzvah, modila. But if it's for a dvar mitzvah, everybody agrees that you can go back into your original. Tom. So therefore, and when he was asking, his Almasar was discussing what when you went out for a surah mitzvah, I do tachodesh, pikuach nefesh, etc. So therefore, we see what that the whole machlok of the Rebili Aiz Hakamim. Do you can you go back into your original tomb or not? That's when you went out voluntarily or not for a mitzvah. But when you went out for a dvar mitzvah, everybody's going to agree that what you can go back, and even though you weren't there from. Before Shabbat. So therefore you do see the concept of Hablaha even uh, when you weren't there before Shabbat. Therefore it is a question that remains on the Shita of Rabbah. But I'll leave it there. Which means uh, even Hakimim will agree on Hablaat Tehumin when it's Fitzorech Mitzvah. So therefore it seems so that from the Maskanat Gemara that Shimi's uh, interpretation is the accepted interpretation that even if you went out since you're still with now, again, let, let me explain to you again. You went out. So we tell you, you get 2,000 amma from the spot that you are. If those 2,000 amma can't bring you back into your original, you're good. You go back to the spot where you are. Now you're in the city again. Now you go back to your house. And you can carry on. I mean, sorry, you can walk on all sides of 2,000 amma. And that's why uh, we explained it like that. So comes again, Maran continues. The Mishnah said, Anybody that goes out to save somebody, you can go back to the original spot where you were. What are we talking about to save? Let's say there's a war. Uh, people are in trouble. Enemies came and attacked. So we said you'll have to go defend Am Yisrael. So you can go as far as you want. Outside the tomb in order to protect, save human life. And then it says, after the war's over, Hosim the Koman. Which is even if they, it sounds like here, the guy went more than the, the prescribed shi'ud, you can get back in regardless how far you are. So the Gemara says, Vafilu Tuba. Which means even, even more, even, even a lot. Which means the guy obviously passed his. Uh, told me went more than 2,000 amma out and is going more than again another 2,000 so he's not even muvla anymore he's just totally out and still we're telling him he can come back so the Gemara says but we said in the Reshab the Mishnah al paim amma vetula if you remember in the beginning of the Mishnah which we just read when a person went out to do one of these mitzvot now he establishes a new tomb what does he have? He only has 2,000 amma. Now you're telling me he has even more, which is according to Hakamim, he only has 2,000. That's for sure. According to the way, okay, it's according to Rabbah. He only has, let's say, 2,000. According to Rafshimi, uh, it's 2,000. If it can get you back into your original, you can go more. From this statement, it's mashma. You can go as much as you want, even if you were not muvla. In the tomb, you can still go all the way back. So make up your mind. So the Gemara says, Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rab, Shechuzrin bechli zayin limkoman. So the Yehuda, Amar Rab, comes along and says, Now, that's not the Hadush in the Mishnah. When it says, Chuzrin limkoman, it was not talking about distance. 
We told you distance already. Distance is 2,000 Amma. You establish the new Eruv now in the new spot, the new Shabita, so you get 2,000 to all sides. So what does it mean, Hazlim and Koman? It's telling you not how far you can go, but what you can carry with you when you go. Meaning, you can carry your weapons back with you. Now obviously, when the guy was going out to war, you had to carry weapons. Now even though there's no eruv to carry, it doesn't matter. Pikuah nefesh, we let you carry weapons to go fight. Obviously we're not going to, there's no purpose just to let you get there without weapons. You need weapons to defend. So therefore now the war's over. So now the question is, do I just drop my weapons on the spot and walk back? So the Hadush is no. You get your 2,000 amma with weapons. So therefore when the Mishnah says, Chuzrim nim koman, it means you can go take your 2,000 amma whichever way you want to take it, weapons in hand, they don't make you drop the weapons, that's the Hiddush of the Mishnah. So comes the Gemara and says, Umay Kushya. The Gemara says, what was your question? What was your question that you had to come learn this Mishnah now out of context? Because it's really taking the Mishnah out of context. The Mishnah says, Chuzrim Nim Koman. And how are you interpreting Chuzrim Nim Koman mean? How are you interpreting it? No, it doesn't mean Nim Koman. It means 2,000 Amma, but with weapons. Now that, 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 that's a, not a literal interpretation of the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, oh my gosh, What was your question to start off with that you had to give this perush? Dilma lehad seal shani. Maybe when the Mishnah said you get 2,000, that's for the other cases. That's for the case of the guy that testified on the month, or let's say you have a uh, midwife and stuff like that. They went out to do their mitzvah, then we tell them they get 2,000 amma. But maybe Lahatsil, when it comes to a case where you were going to save uh, B'nai from a war, so just like you can go as far as you want, you come back. Maybe we gave a special dispensation. You know, when it comes to the people that are going to save Klai Yisrael. And therefore, we could say that when it says, at the end of the Mishnah, it really means, they can go as far as they want back to the original place. So it comes again and says, okay. So this is the question we had. The question that we originally had, we'll have to re-explain. Gemara says like this. Ditan, we have a Mishnah. Barishona lo hayuzazin misham kol hayom kulo. Which is originally when somebody went out of the tomb. In order to testify, let's say, on Kiddush HaKodesh. Originally the deen was, you went outside your tomb to testify, you only have four amut. Rabbi said, you're like everybody else. You went outside your tomb, albeit you went for a mitzvah, now you're stuck. You only get your four amut. So what happened? Hitkin Rabban Gamliel Hazaken. So Rabban Gamliel Hazaken made a takana. Sheesh them alpaim ama lechol ruach. So he came along and said, you know what? We don't want to deter them from coming to testify. So he said, they went outside the tomb. Now they have a new tomb. They can get 2,000 ama to each side to where they are. Velo elu bilvad amru. And not only these guys that came to testify for the new month, Ela afilu ilid, a midwife that's coming outside the tomb in order to help a lady give birth, and someone that's coming to save Jews from an opposing army, from the enemies, or from, let's say, a, a dam or a river that's overflowing into a city, so you need to come and save the people. Or from a destruction, a dilapidated building that fell, so you need to save people from the rubble. Or from a fire. 
which is once they get to the spot outside the Tchum, they're considered as if they're part of the city in that spot. And they have time ama to each side. So the Gemara says, Vetula. On this the Gemara is, what do you mean? The Bagim only gave them 2,000 ama. Veha amar. Didn't we learn in our Mishnah? Kola yotzim lehasil, hozrim limkoman, afilutuba. What do you mean? The Bagim made a takana only for 2,000 ama. The Mishnah's Mashmah, he gave it to him even for? For more. So the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yudah On that, Rabbi Yudah Marav came along and said, No. Shechuzrim bechli zayin lemkoman. Which means all we're allowing them to do is, like everybody else, you get your 2,000. But you can carry the weapons. Which means, originally we thought maybe we'll make a chiluk between all the other mitzvot and when you're going to save uh, Jews from a, a, a war, from, 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 from opposing armies. So the Gemara says, No. The Bangladesh original takana was the 2,000 amma is for everybody. For the case of Kiddush HaChodesh, for the case of the midwife, and for the case of saving the Jews that are stuck in a war. Oh, so if that's the case, you only get 2,000 amma from the new spot where you are. What's the Mishnah telling me that I can go back on it doesn't mean you're getting more distance. All it means is that the soldiers can actually carry their weapons with them back. Because you could argue and say, what do you mean, the war's over. Let them, let them drop their weapons on the spot. And, uh, you know, travel 2,000 miles like everybody else. Why would they give them a dispensation to carry their weapons back? So the Gemara explains. Kedetanya, like it says in the Brayta. Barishona ayu manichin kli zainan bebayit asamukh lehoma. What they used to do after the war was over... They would deposit their weapons in a house which was in the uh, city that was close to the wall of the city. Which means, they were, after the war was over, they went, they found the house that's close to the wall of the city. They would put the, all the weapons in that house. What happened? One time, the enemy saw that the Jewish people, that's it, they spotted them. We were retreating, we were going back home. And they realize that we are, uh, you know, we are leaving or we're still around. So it happened. So the enemies, they went and they chased us. Now we didn't have our weapons with us. Because we, we let them off in the house. So what do we have to do? So we had to go back into the house to, re, uh, to, uh, to, to get our uh, weapons again. So the enemies now followed us into the area of the house so now all the Jews that were trying to get their weapons in the house which was a cramped area they were pushing each other what happened? which means the Jews killed themselves in this uh, you know in this frenzy of trying to get the weapons more than the enemies killed us at that point so the rabbis established you know what? Carry your weapons. We don't want you to deposit them just in case the enemy's going to come back. Now you're going to be forced to run and get them in that little area. It's dangerous. So then when the Mishnah says, it doesn't mean that we give them any more distance to go back than any other people that went out for them as well. means how they can go back. Even carrying weapons. That is one answer 
to explain our Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to give a different interpretation of our Mishnah. No, they can't go all the way back. According to this interpretation, they only have 2,000 Amma. Right? That's exactly what the Bagim Nestakana was. Ben Edutachodesh, Ben Nechachama, Ben to save Jews from the Gayas, from the enemies. You got 2,000 Amma. Oh, what does it mean, Hazim Koman? Why? Because we don't want the people to deposit it and then, uh, you know, crush themselves, etc. Now the Gemara gives a different answer. No question. Gemara makes a haluk who won the war. If... Yisrael wins the war against the Goyim when they went out to fight. Then we tell you, they only get 2,000 Amma. Because you won the war already. There's no, 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 nothing to worry about. You defeated them. However, when Klai Yisrael uh, got defeated in the war, then the rabbis were leaning, you can go all the way back home. Because they, we, we lost. Couldn't Goyim still chase us. So it's still Sakana. So therefore, according to this interpretation of the Gemara, when it says Chuzlim and Koman, it's actually talking about distance. You can even walk further. When? Only when you lost. When Klaise loses the war, Chuzlim and Koman. If they won the war, then you're back to the Bangamir's original Takara that says, you only have the 2,000 Amor. So that's the second answer of learning our Mishnah. Amar Yudamarav, Nukhrim Chitsaru Al-Ayarot. Yisrael. Let's say you have the Goyim, that they came along and they surrounded, right? they embargoed or they surrounded, they besieged one of the cities of Yisrael. So it says, You're not allowed to go on Shabbat with weapons. Nor can you make Eilul Shabbat in this case. Why not? The Goyim are besieging us. This is seemingly a situation where it's Why then does the Brayta say you cannot go and defend? So the Gemara explains. Tanya we have a Brayta to support this. Nukhrim Chitsaru, when the Nukhrim came along and are causing uh, a, um, a siege over the city, that you cannot go out of Mahalal Shabbat. It's only talking about a case where they're coming for money. Meaning, it's not a dangerous life and death situation. They just besiege him because they want money. All right, so they want money. Shabbat. After Shabbat, you'll uh, you know you'll settle with the goyim. However, but if they're coming to kill, then you'll see. Shabbat, you can go out with weaponry. After Shabbat, and of course, you can Shabbat. No question. Now, the Gemara gives a different deen. You have a city that is next to the border, which means you have the Jews living in one area, you have the Goim living in a other area, and then you have the city that separates between the Jewish area and the Goim area. That city is the border city, right? The border city, which is a very strategic city. Because if that area on the border gets conquered, it's very easy for the Goyim to come in. So the Gemara is going to say, if the Goyim are antagonizing us on that border city, even if it's just because they want some straw and hay, meaning they're not interested in 
nefashot, in light and death. Still, you do anything to protect the border city. Because once that city is vulnerable, then already it opens up the whole country. So therefore the Gemara says, Afilu lo they just come for, for some straw and hay. You You go out with weaponry. Because that's like I said, is already, without that Sifar city, you're going to put the rest of Klai Yisrael in danger. So it's a precautionary in order not to lead to Pikuah Nefesh. So Kanzi Gemaran says, Amar of Yosef Bar Min Amar of Nachman. They say, in Bavel, it's considered already as one of these cities that is a border city. Which city in Bavel? Bavel is a big country. Which area in Bavel specifically? They interpreted it, meaning the city of Nehardeah was the city that separated between the Jews on one side and the Greek on the other side. So if they would come against Nehardeah, even just to get some straw on Shabbat, right away you send out the Jewish army to defend it in order that it doesn't lead into you know, penetrating the actual country itself. Darash Rabbi Dostai Demin Bireh. Dostai from Bireh gave a dirashah that was said by David Amelech. My dichtiv, what does it mean, the pasuk that says, by David, vayagidu le David lemor. They told David saying, hine pelishtim nilchamim bekeila. The pelishtim are fighting, are warring in the city of keila. Vehemma shosim etagoranot. And they are destroying and pillaging the granaries. Which means, it wasn't a pikuah nefesh situation. It seems that the Palestinians were going into the Jewish uh, areas, and they were uh, destroying the grains. So comes the Gemara and says, Tana, we have a braita. Which means, Ke'ila was the border city that separated between Palestine and Kla Yisrael. And as we see in the Pasuk, they were only coming for food. They weren't coming for uh, for killing. They were only coming to take the grains. And what did David Amelech do? David went and asked, Should I go and should I attack? These Pilishtim, should I go and fight? So Hashem tells David, God tells him through the Urim Vetumim, go fight. So the Gemara says, and go redeem the people at Kaila, go save it. So the Gemara says, My Kame what was the question that David Amalek was asking the Urim Vetumim? If his question was, is it permissible or not? As she explains, what do you mean permissible or not? Because as she says, the case was on Shabbat. So the question that they were asking the Urim Vetumim was, are we allowed to fight this war on Shabbat? Because it's really not a war about lives. It's a war about Tevin and Kash. So David Amalek had to go to the Urim Vetumim, 
and ask God the question, is this permissible or not? So the Gemara says, can't be. Why cannot be? Because when it comes to a question in Halakha, you don't ask the Urim Vitumim. You ask the Beddin. Shemuel HaNavi and his Beddin already was, was around. So the Shabbat question, that was brought already to Shemuel's Beddin. So then what was the question David HaMelech asked the Urim Vitumim? Ela im mitzlach ilo matzlach. All he was asking the Urim Vitumim is, are they going to win? Are they going to be successful? Which means, must be they got already the heter from Shuel and Abiz Betin to go fight. How could you go fight? It's not a pikuah different situation. Ela, you see what? Because must be it was a border city. And the border cities you can go defend under all situations. And David Amel was only asking the Urim Vitumim, is he going to have success or not? Daikan and we can bring a proof from the Pasuk that this was the question. Because the answer was, go and you will be successful. And you will redeem them. Implying what? That was the question. Are we going to be successful? Proof positive. Now the proof again is what? That... Since uh, we understand that the Beddin uh, of Shemuel obviously allowed them to, to go, that she assumes that it was on Shabbat. Otherwise, what's the Gemara's question? He asur or not? Why should it be asur to go to war? The Gemara's mashma that it was a isur eter issue of it must be because it was on Shabbat. And from the fact that they did go fight this war, it must be what? We see that it was permissible to do it on Shabbat as well. Mm-hmm. Comes the... Comes the new Mishnah. Comes the Mishnah and says, Mishiyashav Baderech. You have a guy, let's say, that was sitting on the road. Ve'amad. He was sitting on the road, let's say, from before Shabbat. Bashi. Why was he sitting on the road from before Shabbat? Nanuah was resting. Shaya Ayef, he was tired. He didn't realize that he was within the borders of the city. Now the deen is like this. If a person knows that he's within the borders of the city before Shabbat, let's say he's within 2,000 Amah of the city, even though he's not there, it's considered he's part of the city. Which is Hidush. Normally we say, wherever you call your Shavita. That's where your Shavita is. So you have 2,000 Amah from where you are going into Shabbat. The Hidush over here is no. If you know consciously that the city is within the tomb, so technically you're considered part of the city, so you can walk on Shabbat to the city, and then you have 2,000 Amah on all sides. The problem with this guy was, he went before Shabbat, he rested, he's uh, relaxing in the area. And as he says, the Hashcha lo sham. And Hashcha came in that spot. Ushamad, when he got up, Ra'ashu samuch la'ir Then he realized, oh look at this, I'm within the tomb of the city. But at the time that it happened on Shabbat, he did not realize it. So the question is, do you have to consciously know that you're within the borders of the city, or is it automatic? Or is it once I get up and I realize where I am, then I'm ready I can go in. So the Gemara's Mishnah says, it's actually a machloket. Then after Shabbat started, he got up, and he realized that he was indeed within the tomb. 
הרי הוא סמוך לעיר, אני סמוך לעיר, הועיל ולא הייתה כוונתו לכך. Since his כוונה was not for that, which is, he didn't know that, therefore לא ייכנס, he cannot enter to the city of Rebbe Meir, Rashi, לא ייכנס לעיר, להיות כאנשי העיר. He's not considered as part of the city, אלא ממקום שחשכה לו מודר אלפיים פסיעות בינוניות ועד מקום שכאלו ייכנס. Meaning, even if let's say the 2000 gets him into the city, but he's got to stop at that point. Which means he cannot go further. If you, if you consider part of the city, so you have 2000 amah to all sides of the borders of the city. Here it's not so. Here with that, you didn't realize you were within the borders. You cannot be considered part of the aid. You get 2000 amah. Uh, on all sides from where you are. However, the Be'udah Omer, you can is. The Be'udah says, no, you don't have to have kabana. Bottom line, it's a mitziut. It's a fact. Were you there? You within the borders? You within the borders? Considered you were there before Shabbat. Comes again and says, Amar the Be'udah, Ma'aseh I'll bring you proof. I have a story with the Bitarfon. Same thing happened. It was before Shabbat. He didn't realize that he was, uh, you know, within the borders. Shabbat started, then he realized, and what? He entered. So you see what? You don't have to have kavana per se to go into the city. Look at Rashi, Belomit Kavin. He didn't know when it got dark that he was in the Tchum. Belonit Kavin, the Yotzvita Tobahir. His Kavanah was not to be in the city, Ela, Bimkomo. Because he didn't even realize he was within. And then what happened? He noticed he was in. And what did he do? He went to the city. So you see Rabbi Udaz uh, fortifying his position with the story of Rabbi Tarfot. Comes Gemaran says, Tanya. Amar Rabbi Udaz, Amar Asim Rabbi Tarfot, Shayam Alech Baderech. The Hashkalo. Right? Became dark. Velan Chutz La'id. So he slept there that night. Outside the city. The Shahrit in the morning. He saw some shepherds. In the morning, they see the Bitar phone lying outside the city. So they tell the rabbi, They said, Rabbi, what are you talking? You're within the borders of the city. The city's right over here. He can't go in. So he went in. And he went into the yeshiv. He sat in the bed. Midrash, Vedarash, Kolayom Kulo. So the assumption of Rabbi Yudah was what? That he walked into the city. And once he got to the city, he walked the entire city to the Bet Midrash, which was outside his tomb. Because once he got into the city, you have the whole area. So you see a proof that you don't have to have Kavana going into Shabbat that you're within the borders. Kemarah says, Misham Ra'ayah. If this is the story, you have no proof to anything. Why? First of all, who told you that he wasn't thinking of anything before Shabbat? Maybe he knew. But you just said he was outside the city. You know it was in his heart going into Shabbat? Maybe he knew that he was within the borders of the city. And that's why he allowed himself to go there on Shabbat. Or maybe the Beit was, was within 2,000 Amah where he was. Which means, we do say he gets 2,000 Amah, everybody agrees to that. So who says the Beit Midrash was further than 2,000 Amah, that you're already making an assumption that you see what, that you consider part of the city and go wherever you want? No. Athena, the Beit Midrash was 1,500 Amot away from where he was. So therefore the Gemara says you have no proof on what the Bitarfon did to show uh, your halakha. Comes the new Mishnah. 
Now we discuss a situation that we discussed in a previous Gemara. Do you have to be awake in order to be Koneh Shivita? What if somebody is sleeping in a certain spot? Does it automatically also give him residency in that spot going into Shabbat? Therefore he gets 2,000 Amah on all sides? Or do you have to be awake for the uh, Shivita to uh, take effect? So the Gemara says, Right? The guy was sleeping on the road. He didn't know that it got dark. He slept through it. So comes again, Mashtad says, Yesh lo alpaim amal echol ruach tever Yohanan ben Nuri. Yohanan ben Nuri says, All right, you kune shibita, you have 2,000 amal on all sides. Vachamim omrim, en lo ela arba amot. Hachamim come along and say, No, you have no shibita here, and therefore you only get four amot. Rashi. Since you were sleeping, obviously you could not have had any kavana, and since you could not have any kavana, your shivita is not kone. Therefore, for amot, so it's a big mahlokat over here. So comes again what says. What Mishnah says. Rabbi Eliezer Omer. Rabbi Eliezer comes along and says that which we say. He only gets four amot, either in this case or in generally speaking. When the person went outside of his tchum, right? Uh. Illegally, let's say. Not for a tzorich mitzvah. When we tell him he only gets four amot, how do you calculate it? It's like we learned in the previous Gemara. He's in the middle of the four amot. Meaning, he gets two amot behind him and two amot in front of him. Okay, back, uh, th- th- that's the beer is it. The Behuda says no. The Behuda says you have four amot. Whichever side you want. Meaning, it's not two and two as if you're in the middle. You can go actually four amot straight in one shot from where you are. However, he says, which means once you pick your side, you cannot change. Which means, uh, let's say the guy says, I'm going to go forward. Then you can't already say, you know what, no, I want to go to the east, I want to go back. Which is, you, you, your amor is only on one side that you choose uh, uh, before this. Oh, you, you walk that amor. That's it, you committed to that side already. You cannot uh, change it. To a different four amot. When it says you have four amot, is it four amot in one direction? Or is it two amot in, you know, two amot forward and two amot back? With Mahlokat Tanaim, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehuda. Now the Mishnah continues. Hayu Shinayim, Miksat Amotav Shilzeh, Betoch Amotav Shilzeh. Which means, let's say you had two people that were standing six amot away from each other. Now, if you're standing six amot away from each other, so this guy can walk for amot, and this guy can walk for amot. So basically, they have a, a certain common area. The common area that overlaps both of them is going to be to amot. So it says, this guy can bring his food 
to that common area, and the other guy brings his food to that common area, and they're able to eat. This is giving you a practical case. We got two guys that are next to each other. They want to, you know, have Sauda uh, so they can walk. He walks for uh, Amor. He walks for Amor. That is a common area. Look at the bottom of the sheet. Hayu Shnaim Omdim Zerachot Mizer Vav Amot. Right? The Mibleran Bet Amot Shel Kol Echad Betosh Chaveru. The two Amot is overlapping in each guy's domain. Nevi'im Veochlim Betochotan Bet Amot, which is in that for Amot area, they can come and. Eat ubilvad. However, shelo yotzi ze metoch shelo letoch shel havero, which means on condition that they do not transfer their uh, food that they have into their friends' domain, and the opposite as well. Now, what are we talking over here? So we have a general rule. The rule is like this. Just like you have a certain tchum, how far you're allowed to go, your hafatzim, your food, your possessions, take on your tchum. And therefore, since your tchum is up to that point, you cannot now put this food beyond the tchum. Because you might argue and say, listen, I cannot go past my tchum. I got my four amot, I cannot go past it. But maybe I could, you know... Transfer food beyond where I am. Kamash Maulan, you can't. Your food and your possessions take on your uh, your um, home itself. And therefore, just like you cannot go beyond, you cannot bring the food back. Let's read the top of the sheet together. Rashi. Ubilvad. Shelo yifshot zeyado. Vetok shtayma hitsonot sheendo bahem klum. Vyotsi lesham pito. Which means, while the common area you have rights to, right, that's your two amot and his two amot, that's both overlapping, but you cannot go into his two amot, beyond. Why? The hafatsav kiraglav. Rule. The possessions of a person are like his legs. They follow the steps of the owner. Which means that she actually brings us over here a, uh, a different uh, interpretation where he's telling us that you have another issue over here. She said you have two issues. Number one, your hafatsim cannot go beyond your tchum. Uh, and number two, that four amot area that we give you, the rabbis give you, once you went out of your tchum, they consider that as a reshut hayahid. Even though it's not, you're in the public domain. But the rabbis gave it a deen of a reshut hayahid. They gave it a deen as a public, as a private domain. Lahmir. And therefore what? If you're going to transfer from that little area, that four amot area that you have, you're going to put food into another area, so now you're going from a reshut yahid, technically to a reshut harabim, which means we're going to be mahmir to consider the area that you're in a reshut yahid, so you're not allowed to transfer from a reshut yahid to a reshut harabim, because um, even though the other guys is also considered a reshut yahid, 
but for you, for you it's considered a Rishut Rabim. So therefore, two reasons you can't do it over. Number one, it's outside of your walking distance. So just like you can't walk it, your, your Hafasim cannot go beyond it as well. And it's also going to be considered as if you are transferring from one domain to another domain. That's why uh, that she is telling you as well. Nafkamina. Nafkamina. Tell you Nafkamina. Let's say you have items that don't belong to this fellow. And those items are technically allowed to go further. Still you would not be allowed to transfer them, because you're going from a Rishut Yahid to a Rishut Rabim. Which means, according to the first answer, it only affects his goods. His goods follow his... Eruv. He cannot go further, your goods cannot go. But let's say somebody else's goods that have a different Eruv. Can they go? Still no. Why? Because you're transferring from one Rishut to another. Mishnah continues. Ayu Similar case now, but now we're talking about we had not two people, you had three people. So the middle guy is overlapping the exterior guys. The middle guy is part of the exterior guys. So he's permissible to transfer with them. And they're permissible with him. But of course the two exterior guys, since they're far away from each other, they're asud. You want to look in your picture books, you see that's picture number 179. Okay? So you see the overlapping, the middle guy. The middle guy has shaykhut to the guy on his right. And he has Shaykhut to the guy on his left, as they do with him. So therefore, in those areas, uh, all of them are able to have a, uh, a transfer. However, the external guys obviously are more far away, so that's going to be as so the Gemara will explain the necessity of such a case. Comes the Gemara and says, comes the Mishnah and says, what is this case of the three guys over here with the tomb? What is it analogous to? You have three chatserot courtyards that are open to each other, that are accessible to each other. And each one on its own is open to the Rishut Rabim. If let's say... Uh, the uh, middle ones made an Eruv, he muteret ammahem, vehem mutarot ammah, ushtayim ha'itzonot asurot zu imzu. Which means if you look in your picture books, it'll be clear for you, look at picture number 180. Okay, now basically you have three hatserot. Now again, in order to carry in a hatser, each hatser alone has to make an Eruv, in order for them to carry from the houses into the Hatser, right? Now for them to carry into each other's area, they also have to make a Shituf in order that they can carry uh, from one Hatser to the other. Now the situation over here is like this. You have the three Hatserot, you see that they all 
have access to each other. Yeah, there's doors mm-hmm. going inside from one chaser to another chaser to another chaser, and each one is open into the reshut harabim. Okay, so now looking at the picture, let's read the Mishnah. If let's say both the outer ones made the eruv with the middle one. Okay? So the two external ones made a joining with the middle one. He muterit obviously you can carry from the middle one to either side. However, and the and they can carry also into the middle. However, but the two outer ones are forbidden, obviously, because there's no connection, there's no idol for them to carry from uh, the first one to the second one. Now, Rashi does point out, first of all, the Gemara is going to explain what the Hadushan is. Gebraz, why did you need a mashal? Why did you have to explain the case of the tomb to, you know, give us a proof to the case of Hatserot? But look at Rashi for a second. Rashi says, Rashi says, Pituchot Rishut Rabim, Techol Achat Rishut La'atzma, which means each one is its own domain and can be accessed on its own. Which means you can enter the Rishut Rabim to each one separately. As opposed to Which means you don't have to walk into the one chaser to get to the other Each one has its own access Therefore you can make Iruv in such a way Where the middle guy makes Iruv with both guys around him Right? And therefore they are permissible to him He is permissible to them And the ex- extreme ones are forbidden to each other However If let's say There was only open to the shoot to the beam at the end And therefore the only way to get out is You had to walk through all the Hatserot Which means you couldn't access each Hatser alone You have to walk to get to the shoot to the beam, You have to walk through the last hasid, to the middle hasid, to the front hasid, to get out. So then already, asra pinimit achitsona. Da afilu bifne atzma asura kolehat lishtamesh. Then it's considered one long area, and as long as one of the areas did not become part of the iruv, it's osir, the other one, and therefore nobody would be allowed to. Uh, carry in the uh, even in their own it's all said themselves so the only way we she just telling us why we had to pick a case like this we had to pick a case like this where you can have some of uh, 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 the outside haserot are not going to osir the other ones that did make the eruv, because each one is considered a separate so therefore to the ones that I made an eruv with I'm good to the ones that didn't make the eruv you can't go in there However, however, if it was all one long Hatser, 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 So therefore, all of them are going to be asur until all of them make the proper Enubim. Ma'ay Rabah. Ma'ay Kasabah, Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri. What does Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri hold? Mispar Kasabah, does he hold? Chavsef, Ker, Konim, Shevita. That really what? Ownerless items. Meaning, an item that did not have an owner and was placed in a certain spot from before Shabbat and it was Hashikha. It's Koneh Shevita, meaning it has, you can move that item. 2,000 Amah to each side, just like Adam. 
that when the guy was sleeping through Shabbat, he has a Shavita. And really the Mishnah could have said the Mahloket by Kelim, meaning Rabbi Yohanan could have said his deen also, that Kelim of Efker also have Shavita. And the reason why the Mishnah chose to give the case of Adam, to give us the uh, strength of the rabbis, how mahmir they are. Because even though you can say, since if the guy would be up, he would be connected. And I can argue and say, even if he's sleeping, it's okay, because he has the potential. Still the rabbis are mahmir. But what? Really, I'll tell you, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says, I'm lenient by Adam, meaning I'm not, I hold by Adam, there is. Shivita, by Hefker, there also is Shivita. Let me speak out of Nafkamina at this point. Nafkamina, if a guy, let's say, made his Eruv to the east, that means he could walk 2,000 Amot to his Eruv, and then he can walk another 2,000 Amah from that spot. So he can walk 4,000 Amah eastward. If you say that the Hefser, Hefker, is Shivita, it only gives you 2,000 Amah. To all sides. So when the guy meets up with this Hadzeh Fkir on Shabbat, it does not take on his Eruv meaning in the sense that he could walk it 4,000 Amot eastward. No, he can only walk it 2,000 Amot eastward. That would be a, not coming up, you say the Hadzeh Fkir Arkone Shevita or Dilma or Kasabar of Yohanan Benuri Bealma Hadzeh Fkir and Konim Shevita. Oh, I'll tell you now, Hadzeh Fkir are not Konim Shevita. Until what? A guy comes and assumes it and picks it up. Then he could, I'd say, can take upon his Eruv, uh, his tomb. The reason why they say in the Mishnah that a sleeping man is since potentially he could be if he was up, so he's even if he is. Sleeping. So that is the Mahlok. That is, I'm sorry, the Safek of the Gemara of what is the Yohanan bin Nuri going to hold by Hafsef Kir. Side one, they are Konesh Shivita like Adam. Side two, they are not because they are worse than Adam. At least, Adam at least can be up. So even if he's sleeping, it'll be Konesh. But Hafsef Kir, no. So the Gemara says, Amar of Yosef, I'm just going to give an answer to this. Tashema, Geshamim Sheyardu Me'erev Yom Tov. Okay? You have a case of rain that fell on Erev Yom Tov. Okay? Now, the rain obviously is Hefker. Okay? We're talking about over here rains that don't belong to anybody. At least when Yom Tov came, nobody claimed it. Now, which is the rains now, if a guy wants to move them on Yom Tov, they assume a Shevita, they only have 2,000 Amma to each side. Now, Yom Tov, if let's say, they were not Kone uh, Shevita on the on, uh, beginning of the Yom Tov, Haren Kedagle Kol Adam. Which means they have a tomb according to uh, the first person that is uh, Zohar and claims them. Now, what do you see basically over here from this Braita? Going into Yom Tov. So the Gemara now analyzes. The Gemara is going to speak this out. The Gemara says, 
If you're going to say, Kasabarab Yohanan bin Nuri, Hefsef, Kerkonin Shevita, Haman, who's the author of this Braita? The Yohanani. Very good, because you have a Shita that says, Hefsef, Kerkonin Shevita, so the rain has its 2000 Amma. Era Iamat, Hefsef, Kerkonin Shevita. But if you say that what, that the rains, or Hefsef, are not Konin Shevita, Hamani, who's the author? Lord of Yohanan, the Lord of Banan. Because the deen should be then the first guy that's. Koneh rain, it assumes his, his, uh, his Zairuf, his Ta'um. For the fact that the Benaita says, no, when the rains fall down, they have an automatic 2,000, that must be somebody must hold Hetzeh Hefkeh, Yeshtem Shevita. So the Yosef proves from here, that must be the Yohanan Benuni is the author of this Benaita. So it comes again, so Abayeh sat and said over this Halakha, Amal Rav Safran Abayeh, so the Ratas Abayeh, Vidilma Bigeshamim Asimuchim Le'ir Askinan. Maybe we're talking about over a specific case where the rains fell next to the inhabitants of the city or next to the city. And when there was raining, the people already assumed that this is going to fall into their city, and therefore. It's not Ifkir. Meaning it fell into the area of the city, and therefore immediately it assumes the borders of the city. Which is, who told you it's Ifkir? You were assuming why you had rains that fell. Nobody owns it. Now in Yom Tov, they want to know where can we carry these rains, these waters. Oh, it's got 2,000 miles of Who said? Maybe already it fell close to the city enough where the people in the city, as it's raining, are saying what? This is considered ours. Therefore it assumes the borders of the of the Eir. So I can doing a proof of Hefseh, Hefker. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Lelo Sakadadach. Abayah says, Sorry, Nav Safra. Uh, we wouldn't think that. Why? Ditnan, because we have a Mishnah. Mishnah says like this. Bor Shel Yahid. Let's say you have a bor. A cistern or a pit that belongs to a private person. Kenagle Yahid. So the waters in that bor can be moved according to the feet of the owner. Which is, whatever the tomb of the owner is, that's the tomb of his water in the board of a yahid. And now let's say you have uh, a public well. So then already it takes upon the tomb of the city. And the wells of Ole Babel, those are the wells that they made for the people that were traveling. So that takes upon the border of the guy who is filling. So basically you have three dinim. A privately owned board takes the deen of the owner. A publicly owned board takes the deen of the city. And a board that was made for public use for the Ole Babel, that takes upon the one who is filling. Wherever his border tomb goes to, that already is the water as well. Now, that's one Braita. We have another Braita. Betanya, we have another Braita. Bor Shil Shivatim. The board of the, literally, is the tribes. What is that referring to? That she says, it's Ole Babel. It's the same thing as Ole Babel. Which means the people that were coming from Babel to Eris to they needed water. Mm. So what they do? They would build, they would dig cisterns on the way there. 
to give them to drink. So the, what was the first deed in the Mishnah? The, so the first bright that said what? Ole Babel goes according to the filler. Memaleh. To the Memaleh. Now it says, Bor Shil Shivatim Yeshtem Alpayim Amalechol Ruach. It says, no, it's automatic. It's an automatic. It has 2,000 Amma to each side. Now the board of Shivatim obviously is Hefkir. Mm-hmm. Nobody owns it until okay, they draw it. So the Gemara says, Kashan Ahadadeh. We have a stira in Brightot. Make up your mind. Does the public board of Ole Bavel, does it go according to the guy who fills up? Or does it go according to the automatic 2000? And we must explain the contradiction in the Brightot. How? Must be the Brightot that says you have 2000. It's following Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri that says what? That And the Brightot that says no, it goes according to the Mimaleh. That must be going like Rabbanan. Which means, let me give you the story what happened there. Rav Safra came along and challenged Rav Yosef's answer. Rav Yosef said, listen, I'll prove to you that Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri must hold and I'll prove it to you from the Brayta of the rains. The Brayta said, the rains on Yom Tov, or before Yom Tov, right? On Yom Tov, now you have the rain, it was ownerless. What's the deen in the Brayta? 2,000 amat to all sides. Correct. Proof positive, the author of that Brayta must be the Yohanan ben Nuri. Beautiful. Comes Rab Safra. So Abayi said over this Hiddush uh, of Rab Yosef. He said it over to Rab Safra. Rab Safra came along and said, No proof. That's your proof? No proof. Why no proof? Because I can tell you, maybe over here was talking about where it wasn't Hifkir. Maybe if the rains fell by the city, and since it fell by the city, the people were at Kamarat to be Zokheh, therefore it has 2,000 Amah according to the borders. Of the city. Mm. Who told you that the Tifs in Toba reigns of Ifkir? So comes the Gemara and says, Abayah says, no, no, no. no Can't be. I'm going to prove to you that you have to say there's an opinion out there that says, Because we have a contradiction in two Brightot, two different Brightot. One Brightot says, A board of Ole Babel goes according to the Mimale. Another Brightot says, board of Ole Babel goes according to 2000 Amalekosad. The only way you can reconcile those two brightos is if you say that there's an opinion that says, Who must that be? So therefore, Abayir is coming to Rav Safra and telling him, it's automatic. You have to say there's a shita like that, Rav Safra. How are you going to reconcile otherwise these two brightos by the board? So that was the conversation. So comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, Ki Yosef. When Abaye came to Rabbi Yosef, remember Rabbi Yosef was the one that brought the ayah from the rains case, from the case of the rains. Amar le, hachi ka'amar Rav Safra. Says, Rav Safra tried to, tried to challenge your answer. He tried to tell me, nah, it's not a proof, it's not rains that the people of the city were kone before Yom Tov, because it was raining next to the city, therefore it's not Efkir. The hachi aderele. And uh, Abaye comes along, but don't worry, I answered him. I told him, can't be, there's two other brightot, my board. And I said, one of them clearly says, it's 2,000 amat, each side, that must be, must be Rabbi Yohanan, Kulim Shevita. Amar leh, so Rabbi Yosef said, Ve'amai lo megufa. Which means, you didn't have to go so far to prove Rav Safra that I'm right. You could have proved it from the Brayta itself that talked about the rains. How? How? 
Because if it's like Rab Safra's learning, where it could be rains that were close to the borders of the city, and therefore the people, however, were zochei in it, therefore it has 2,000 Amah. Why would the statement of the Mishnah of the Bright Tabit have 2,000 to each side? That's not the deen. The law is, if it falls into the city, it takes on the iruv of the people of the city. That's not 2,000 amah to all sides. That's 2,000 amah according to the people of the city, which means to the, to the borders of the city. Which means, why, from the fact that it says it has 2,000 amah, it's master from where it is. That's not so. It takes on the border of the aid itself. The border of the aid itself is different than where the waters are. And therefore, what Nab Safra basically was telling Abayyeh, he says, you answered him good, but you didn't have to go so far. You could have answered him from the bright itself of the rains. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, look at Rashi. Rashi says, Yesh Lahid. See Rashi, it's the uh, fourth uh, wide line. Mashma the inu gufayu kanon shavita. It's mashma when the brayta says yeshlahen al paim amot that it's coming from the item, item itself, from the rains themselves. Vilav mishum daat and sheir. It's not coming because it's considered as part of the city. Tiim mishum daat and sheir hal lishna ba'el mimar haren kilegre otair. Which is, the Gemara is just trying to say, in the name of uh, Rabbi Yosef, it's not Mashmah like Rabbi Safra was saying. Because it was going according to Rabbi Safra, it should have said that the water that falls in the city, where the people are anticipating the water to fall in, from the fact that it didn't say that, from it said, it's Mashmah, it's got to do with the city. It's got to do with the water. Implying that what? That this is Hafseh, Hefkir. And wherever they drop, you get Shemita, 2,000 Amal Lechulsan. Therefore, Rav Safra's interpretation of Rav Laita is inaccurate. Therefore, must be there's a Shita that says Hafseh, Hefkir, Kulin Shemita. And who's that? Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuni. Look at my name.